0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Guys, I'm excited. This is my first time talking in chapel. It's something I get a little intimidated about, but I've heard this is a really good one to talk to. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my story. As I stand up here, though, I am abundantly aware that you may have many different things on your mind. Maybe some of them are challenging, and I want you to just be encouraged today. I hope that through my story, you come to realize one thing a little bit more deeply, and that is who you are right now and where you are right now is where God meets you. Good. Thank you for getting that up there. So in your present situation with your current dilemmas, your current gifts, your personality, your flaws, whatever you're facing, God is ready to meet you in those things and work in and through you. So, I just want you to be blessed today being you. That's really the only person God wants you to be. Okay, so my story. My story, look at that cute fam. My story begins in Iowa, where I grew up. I am the daughter of a humble pastor, a humble, thoughtful pastor, and a kind, energetic, stay at home mom. I have one younger sister, Heidi, who's now married to Chris, and they have an adorable baby boy, Henry. Though there are probably many adventures and misadventures that I could regale you with. I will spare you. No need to figure out how I learned about tweezers for those eyebrows. So let's just move on and skip ahead to places a little bit closer to where you are at. So my high school years brought me to a place where I became more curious about God. I had always known God, but I was ready to seek him and know him for myself. So... I began to pray more, and I began to pray a lot when I began to look for colleges. I knew I wanted to go to a Christian liberal arts school. I wanted to know how to blend my faith with what I was learning, and I wanted to shape my understanding through the lens of a follower of Jesus. So, as Paul mentioned, as I searched, Taylor University quickly became my top pick. You guys may think that Asbury is in the middle of nowhere, but I assure you, Taylor really is. We have one blinking light and there's only cornfields for probably, I would say like 20, 30 miles. Um, So even though Taylor didn't have a lot to boast of in terms of location, I felt deep within me something some of you may have felt when you visited Asbury, that this really was the place for me but it cost a lot more than I could afford. There was no way I would be able to go to Taylor unless something really miraculous happened. So I began to pray about going there, and I prayed about that more than I had prayed about a lot of things. I think I recognized I didn't have much control over the situation, and I don't know about you guys, I like control. I really do. This was a circumstance that tested my ability to wait, to trust God, and to pray. Perhaps you've been there too. Maybe you've been in a situation where it feels like there's something you can't fix on your own. I know I felt that way. And, this, and in this situation, I confronted a question that lurked at the back of my mind. I really wondered, will God provide for me? I knew he was capable, and I knew that he was all-powerful, and I think I believed he cared about me, but it was just hard for me to know that for sure because he's God. It's not like I can talk to him like I'm talking to you, and I didn't know if there was a clear way forward, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So maybe you are in a similar situation wondering, will God provide for me? Does he listen to me? Does he really care about me? And that is where God meets us, in our daily burdens, in our daily concerns. Actually, I think it's only when we really feel the lack of something that we receive an opportunity to be given what we need. It might be different though than what we expect, but it's only in times of dependence that we actually receive things we couldn't ever conjure up on our own. So in my story, it was through God's provision of a scholarship that I was able to attend Taylor. And I remember the relief and the joy I felt, part of it from knowing I could go, the other part from thinking God heard me and he cares. And this is where I began learning that God would meet me where I was at. Okay, so I packed up my bags and I came to college absolutely heartsick. Maybe some of you are like that. Maybe some of you were super excited to come to college. I was not. I love my family and leaving them about eight hours away was really sad for me. But I was also excited. I remember thinking that no one knew me at Taylor. So if I wanted to, I could change who I had been in high school and no one would know. Who did I actually want to become, and how did I want people to know me? Well, i had always considered myself a kind, helpful person, but I also considered myself pretty shy, a homebody, someone who's a good student, someone that didn't know how to talk to guys. I had an opportunity, though, to redefine those things if I actually wanted to, As the first few days of college began, though, I actually remember being really afraid of a lot of things. I wondered if I would make good grades. I still wasn't sure how to talk to guys. I wondered if I would make friends that were actually friends, people that would know me and do life with me. And I wondered if I would figure out what in the world I was going to do with my life. All this fear kept me thinking a lot about myself. I had a lot of inhibitions, things that small and big felt like they were holding me back. I was lonely and homesick, and I felt like I couldn't figure out just how to be myself, the way it seemed that other people innately somehow knew how to do. I knew I wanted a different way, and I began asking myself, what does it mean to live fully? Have you ever wondered that for yourself? Maybe you're actually wondering the same thing. What does it actually mean to really live fully? Well, as I thought about this question at 18 and 19 years old, I realized that if it was fear holding me back, that eradicating those fears would probably increase meaning and growth and an ability to be more of who God made me to be, I realized that more than almost anything, I wanted to be brave. So, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, brave is an adjective that means showing no fear of dangerous or difficult things. Unfortunately, though, I felt afraid of many things, and I knew I was unable to really let go of my fears completely in order to really, truly be a brave person. But in the same dictionary, there's also the word courage, the ability to control your fear in a dangerous or difficult situation. So, the distinction may be subtle, but it is great. To be a courageous person didn't mean I needed to be unafraid. It just meant that I didn't need to let fear have the last word. I could choose the course I wanted to take despite my fears, even if they never really disappeared. Isn't it interesting how important choices are? Now I understood that having fears, great and small, didn't trap me. I could choose to be a certain kind of person, even if I remained afraid. So I made a list. I'm a list maker. What was I afraid of? Well, a lot of things. (laughs) Here's some of them. I was afraid of discomfort. I liked feeling secure. I hated situations where I felt insecure. I feared places like homeless shelters, or nursing homes where I wondered if I could really relate well to the people who were there. If I want to help, what must they think of me? Could I actually make a difference? I was afraid of failing, of not being the best I could be, whether it was my grades or fitness. I loved pushing myself, and I wanted to excel. I was afraid of loneliness and never really making good friends. I was afraid of guys, and I was afraid to talk to them. And I was afraid of being perceived as too flirty if I did. That's a conundrum. I felt like I couldn't interact well with half the human species that greatly limited my social opportunities. I was afraid of not learning anymore, of being stagnant. I was afraid of public speaking. That fear persists to this day. I was also, and I still am also, afraid of heights. And I was really, really afraid of missing it, of missing whatever God had for me. But As soon as I named my fears, I was able to confront them. God met me where I was and who I was, even amidst all those fears. I began going to a nursing home nearby in order to confront my fear of discomfort. I would just walk over alone, pop my head into a random room, and get to talk to people there. The smells... And the loneliness were fearsome to me. I did not ever like going there. But I did get to the point where I got to know people there. I began my classes to focus more on what I was learning than the grades I was receiving. I also joined an intramural football team in order to overcome my fear of not knowing anything about football. I I still actually don't know anything about football, but I still played. It was really, really fun. On Friday nights, when I felt lonely and like everyone else but me had plans, I was determined to open up my dorm room door, walk out into the hall and see one person who maybe needed a word of encouragement just like me. And I began saying yes to things like speaking requests, even though it felt like my knees would give out each time. And I began talking to guys and making friendships and I still remember one day making muffins, going over to our brother floor and watching Newsies. It was super fun. And I began to see that my fear of missing it, of missing whatever it was that God had for me, was based on a misconception that I had to be someone other than myself. God could only meet me where I was and in who I was. And that was enough. God met me every step of the way. And here's where I'm going to begin inserting a few thoughts from a friend and mentor, Reverend Jacques Philippe, He is a Catholic priest living in France, and though he and I have only had one email exchange and one two-minute face-to-face encounter, his books have really changed my life. This is a quote from my favorite book of his, Interior Freedom. Doesn't he look nice? I think he looks really nice. First of all, the most important thing in our lives is not so much what we can do as leaving room for what God can do. The great secret of all spiritual fruitfulness and growth is learning to let God act. Yet one of the most essential conditions for God's grace to act in our lives is saying yes to what we are in the situations in which we find ourselves. Is saying yes to what we are in the situations in which we find ourselves. Well, I began to see that the life I was longing for The life I wondered if God would provide was actually the life I was living. As I continued on at Taylor, I thought I would graduate with my Christian educational ministries degree. I was looking to become a pastor, and spring of my senior year found me me looking all over for jobs. I'm sure some of you are in the same situation. You know, one day in early February, my supervisor approached me. He was the one that had overseen my work with a bunch of class officers and I had planned a lot of events with them. I had loved that job. He told me, Heather, I think you should consider working with college students as a profession. You've done so well with these students and Taylor has a Master of Arts in Higher Education and Student Development. Well, I was a month past the deadline But I decided to apply anyway, and two of my best friends did too, and we spent the next two years living and learning together. And you know what? I loved it. The two years went by quickly, and as the end of the program approached, my cohort of 16 began applying for jobs. As the months ticked by and as person after person got a job, I kept getting no's. I had always been a good student. I had prided myself all through elementary, middle, high school, college, and now grad school on my work as a student. I had also been praised by my teachers and professors. Receiving rejections, multiple ones, was challenging, and it was made more challenging because it was surprising to me. And you know what? I think sometimes it is not so much our circumstances that make our lives difficult but our expectations surrounding our circumstances. Thoughts like, this wasn't supposed to happen to me, or I deserve better than this. These thoughts can make our hearts heavy with despondency. Once again, in Father Jacques' words, what really hurts is not so much suffering itself as the fear of suffering. The weeks continued, and I continued to remain jobless. It was almost graduation and I was one of the very last of my cohort left, which made me feel like I was deficient and somehow had gotten something somewhere along the way all wrong. And I began to worry over the question, what if I'm not good enough? Have you ever wondered that about yourself? It's a tough question. And I needed to learn, yet again, that God would meet me where I was and where I was. But the despondency got so bad that I was actually unable to write job description, or job applications. My roommate, Kate, actually wrote them for me. I would lay on a couch, dictate, she would synthesize and type for me. It was that bad. And as the days continued by, I realized that my worst fear had happened. I arrived at a threshold of change and transition and did not know where I was going. And at this point, I was not wanted anywhere. The funny thing is, when I realized this, an inexplicable sense of courage actually surrounded me. If the worst had happened, I could keep applying to jobs and face rejections. I had faced them before, and I was okay, and I was still me. Well, a few days before graduation, I received an email from Asbury University, and they wanted to do an interview. I was at peace and calm. I would gotten no's before, and I would be okay if I got a no again. Through the interview process, it was a position in student development, I realized I actually really, really wanted the job. The people sounded so great. I wanted to learn, and I wanted to grow alongside them. I remember I got the job, a call from Paul Stevens, while I was shopping at TJ Maxx. I about collapsed on the floor with gratitude. God had yet again met me where I was at and in who I was. So in a couple of weeks, I was once again, just like my transition to Taylor, I was on the verge of another transition. And once again, I didn't know anybody here in Wilmore. I unpacked my bags and I settled into my home. I had only one borrowed futon and a coffee table to my name. And I had no idea how to do the job I was hired to do. You know what, that old fear began creeping in again. And actually for a full nine months, I doubted myself and I doubted what I had to offer. In that stage of learning and soaking in new people, new places and responsibilities, I began to realize that that fear was going to hold me back again if I let it. If I was going to put soul roots down in this place, I needed to venture out despite my fears. I made a promise and a challenge to myself. I promised myself I would say yes to every invitation that came my way for a month. Even if I was tired, even if I wanted to stay at home, even if I didn't know the other person, I felt like it would be awkward. Maybe you are in a place where you need to say yes to some things. I know for me, it wasn't always exciting or comfortable, some yeses were just going on a jog with a fellow RD or having ice cream with a coworker or going to Lexington with my boss and his family. But sometimes the best things, you all, that happen in our lives are actually not the flashy things. They are slow growing, they're simple, they're daily things that change us bit by bit. And so it was with me. It, I began almost a year later, to feel like I was home. I began to learn about the programs, the people of Asbury. This is a really old group of tag leaders. I think they're all long gone. Um, And to learn my responsibilities and routines. I made friendships. I made mistakes. And as the weeks turned into months, turned into years, I kept walking towards my fears and saying yes to the opportunities God gave me. Some of my walking towards fears involved severe mishaps. I, re- I remember I tried to tackle my fear of heights. I accompanied the adventure leadership students on a number of climbing and bouldering trips. And on one such bouldering trip while in Chattanooga, I severely sprained my ankle. Ew, that's nasty. And I was in Chattanooga at the time. I Did not want to go to the hospital, so I spent a miserable night with a third-degree sprain in a hammock in a torrential downpour. It It was very miserable. That ankle injury prevented me from running, which continues to be a favorite pastime of mine. After a while, though, I realized that if I wanted to get out and experience a different kind of exercise, I needed to face another fear, joining, without any prior experience, a cycling club. I bought a bike And I just showed up one day. I remember on so many times as I learned to cycle along the way with these people, being amazed at Kentucky's beauty, thinking, wow, if I had never sprained my ankle, if I had never just ventured out and gotten to know these people and do this, I never would have seen this beauty. What a gift. I'm so glad I said yes to different adventures. And even with no one else with me, I'm just so glad I went. And I hope that maybe that can encourage some of you, too. You don't need to wait for your life to begin. And you don't need to wait to do things that matter to you. And you can do them alone if you need to. And what I've realized in my various adventures is that God brings people to you along the way to invest in you and do life with you. Through my years at Asbury, there was one part of my life that continued to remain challenging Though I had never been the kind of person, and I'm still not quite this way, interestingly enough, I never really had a five or 10-year plan for my life. I think I had always imagined that by my mid-20s I would be married. I honestly thought that dating and marriage would come naturally for me. I thought of myself as a good catch. I was one who wasn't desperate, and I I I thought I would turn down guys left and right. When this did not happen, I began to get anxious. What if I never met someone? What if I remained single forever? My friends began to get engaged, married, and have kids. They switched jobs, they moved houses, and they generally looked way further along the path of adulthood than I did to myself. I wondered if I was supposed to be here and and what my life was supposed to look like and I wondered if I had gotten it all wrong somehow. I really wrestled with desire. Since my desire for marriage wasn't yet fulfilled, did that mean it was wrong? Did I have an idol in my life? Did I need to stop wanting it so much? I had a few relationships that ended abruptly leaving me brokenhearted, and I wondered if it would ever change. Would God meet me here in singleness? There were some really hard days. I knew no one could guarantee to me that in just a year, or in just five years, if only you're patient, you'll meet someone. I wondered how to live my life on this side of the equation. Someday I would know, but right now I didn't. What could I do with the uncertainty? Well, I did a lot of different things. I talked to my friends and my family. I prayed. I cried as I went on hikes alone. I did a solitude retreat. I asked God each day for an answer. I remember getting the sense over and over again that God did not ask me to be single forever. He only asked me to be single for that day. That lesson applied to a lot of other things that God was teaching me. God doesn't give us grace for the future. He gives us grace for now. And now is where he meets us. Well, as time continued, and as I continued to remain single, I began to consider how, if I wasn't dating someone, maybe I was approaching dating in an ineffective way. I thought I would fall into dating, much like one falls into an ocean. But I did not approach any other part of my life that way. I didn't think that I would fall into a job without researching and applying. I didn't think that I would fall into fitness without exercise. I realized that maybe I needed to approach dating with a different mindset. Maybe I needed to do a little research, change up some habits, and try new things. Once again, I began to move towards my fears and uncertainties. I read books on dating. I tried to get to know people in different social circles. I went to a swing dance event alone and I joined small groups at church. I started saying yes to things like online dating or yes to blind dates or even telling friends and coworkers, Paul's one of them, "Hey, do you know anyone you could set me up with? I'm open to going on dates." As I experienced these new things and got out of my comfort zone, I was fully experiencing something I've taught to a few years of tag leaders and other students. The getting outside of our comfort zone is where the magic happens. Woohoo, tag, recognize that? Yeah, no, it was not all great. And I am sure we could spend a lot of time here talking about some of my really horrible dates that I went on. And it also didn't answer all of my fears. But I did begin to feel empowered. Maybe if I wanted to meet someone, I could actually do something about that. And I began to realize even if I never did meet someone, I didn't want to wait for my life to begin. Well, about two years into this process of figuring things out with dating, I did in fact meet someone. I met my husband. I got married at age 31. It was just the summer, in fact, though that is a story for another day. Marrying him is a blessing I would wonder if I ever would receive, and I'm very grateful. In all of this You know what I've learned along the way, that God loves me, that God meets me where I am and in who I am. Here's a quote that's meant a lot to me, also from Father Jacques. God is realistic. His grace does not operate on our imaginings, ideals, or dreams. It works on reality, on the specific concrete elements of our lives. Even if the fabric of our everyday lives doesn't look very glorious to us, only there can we be touched by God's grace. The person God loves with the tenderness of a father, the person he wants to touch and to transform with his love, is not the person we have liked to be or ought to be. It's the person we are. So let me leave you with that hopeful statement and with the assurance that who you are now and in the situations you face presently, that is the place and you are the person where you are right now, where God will meet you and work in and through you. Thank you.